All right, if you take God's precious word, turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 24 through 27. I wish I could teach this to everybody. I believe everybody needs to hear. Proverbs 7, verses 24 through 27. Title of the message tonight is The Steps to Hell. The Steps to Hell. Last week we learned that the adulterous woman, by trying to convince that young man to commit adultery with her, she was teaching him a false doctrine. Remember? A doctrine that was contrary to the doctrine given to us in God's Word. And Solomon told us that when that young man went to that woman, he went to her like an ox going to the slaughter, not realizing that the journey he was making would cost him his life. And with that in mind, Solomon tells us this week in verse 24, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Now if you take your pens and underscore the words, me and my, me and my, And after you underscore that, let's read it again. And this time, let's put emphasis on those two words. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. See the difference it makes? The young man hearkened to the adulterous woman, and his life was destroyed. Solomon, therefore, says, hearken unto me. The young man made the mistake of attending to the words of her mouth. And he was hurt because of it. So Solomon tells us to hearken unto the words of his mouth instead. Understand that the woman had the opportunity to teach her doctrine to this young man. And that woman represents our fallen world. The woman represents the influence that our young people are faced with. The influence that you and I are faced with every day. I say our young people because they are the ones who are most vulnerable to the influence. Hopefully by the time we get a little older in life, we've kind of, you know, plowed our row and and made our decisions on some things and there's some lines we won't cross. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. But she had the audience of this young man. Her appearance was attractive. Her words were pleasant. And her audience was attracted whenever he heard and saw this woman and listened to her words. And that is the situation that every person will face in life. Every person is going to be exposed to the false doctrine of this fallen world. They're going to be exposed to the tantalizing temptations that have all the shiny glitter and they have yet to feel the hook. We will all face temptations that look good to our carnal eyes. We will all hear false doctrine that's pleasant to our fallen ears. 
and our fallen flesh being exposed to these temptations will be attracted to them. We'll all admit that we get tempted to do things that we do not want to do. In our hearts, we've drawn the line in the sand. Nevertheless, when those temptations come or they meet the eye or they meet the ear and they, they, they uh, find a place in the heart for a moment, the flesh goes, yes, it wants to foster those thoughts. The words of the adulterous woman will be heard. That's the point tonight. There are two sets of voices here. The very fact that Solomon said, hearken unto the words of my mouth, attend to my words. The very fact that he's saying this lets us know that there is competition out there in the realm of ideas. Isn't that right? If there was no other competing voices out there, Solomon wouldn't have had to say, hearken unto my words. Because there have been no other words to hearken to. But you go back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, and what did Adam have? He had competing ideas on the same topic. He had God's truth, the real doctrine that came from heaven like rain, and then he had the devil's lies, the false doctrine of that, of that adulterous woman, if you will. In this case, it was spiritual adultery. And so Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, had a choice on who they were going to listen to. Every one of us have a choice on who we are going to listen to. There are competing ideas, and our flesh will be exposed to these temptations, and they will be attracted to them. The words of the adulterous woman will be heard. The doctrines of this fallen world will be taught to the occupants thereof. And it is up to every one of us to decide who we are going to listen to, the world or the God who made it. We must decide who we are going to believe and follow. I want you to understand that not every man and woman is a believer. We say, well, he's a believer, he's not a believer. Every man and woman is a believer. It's just a matter of who they believe. Adam and Eve believed the devil. Or at least to some degree. If Adam was not, I don't believe he was quite as deceived as Eve was. But he disbelieved God. And it's a matter of who we believe. Every man and woman will obey. It's a matter of who they will obey. So I don't obey anybody. I obey myself. I don't believe anybody. I come up with my own ideas. That's it. You're going to believe yourself or God. Whatever. It's a matter of who you're going to believe. Who you're going to follow. You can put your children in homeschool. You can hide them from the television. You can give them the finest Christian education that there is. You can put blinders on them like you put on the horses in the olden days. And they will still be subjected to the world's false doctrine. Doesn't mean that we're going to go out there and stick them in front of everything. We do our part, no doubt about that. But it doesn't matter, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter how careful we are. Homeschooled all my kids. Doesn't matter how careful we are. They will be exposed to the world's false doctrine. Many of us remember 
once watching uh, the once very popular television show. Used to be 16 kids and counting. Worked all the way up to 19 kids and counting. Have you all watched that? Nobody? Nobody watched that? You watched it? Anybody else? Just, oh, yeah, we got some more hands now. Everybody loved the Duggars. They were homeschooled parents. Uh, or they homeschooled their kids. They had a big old truckload of kids. And their parents limited them on the amount of worldly influence that they were exposed to. Nevertheless, their oldest child fell into great sexual sin. Ruined his life and a great part of his family's lives. He heard the words from both sides. The adulterous woman and Solomon's doctrine. And he chose the adulterous woman's instead. His family's television show, which I'm sure was a major source of their income, was canceled. His wife suffered great emotional harm. The name of Christ, because they were, they were Christians, the name of Christ suffered damage in the eyes of the world. And he was sentenced to prison in the end. And all of this could have been avoided had Mr. young Mr. Duggar taken heed to God's doctrine taught by God's prophet Solomon. Had he listened to Solomon... None of it would have ever happened. Hands down. So Solomon said, verse 25, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. And the Hebrew word translated decline here, it means to deviate. To deviate. So Solomon is saying, don't let your heart, don't let your way of thinking deviate down the mental path that this woman is taking. So that her bad doctrine becomes your bad doctrine. You don't ever want to be in agreement with this woman's way of thinking here. Believe what God's word says about that sinful behavior. Let your heart be in agreement with God's heart about this in every matter of life that you face. Believe God's word, look back in your text, and go not astray in her paths. Go not astray in her paths. When, when you're thinking, because he said, don't let your heart decline. Don't let it deviate into that. When, when your thinking changes, your behavior changes. Which means your direction in life changes. And that means where you end up at the end of life's road changes. It all starts in the mind. Don't let your heart, don't let your mind deviate from God's word To her way of thinking. Because then the thinking changes. And the behavior changes. And the direction changes. Then the destination changes. Josh Duggar was headed in a good direction. But his thinking changed. And then as a result his behavior changed. So his direction changed. And he ended up doing time in prison instead of on TV. Sin has consequences. Deviate from God's word and you will always pay a heavy price. Psalmist said, don't deviate into her paths, verse 26, for she hath cast down many wounded. Now, don't let the sentence structure here, uh, the way it's worded here versus how we might say something today, don't let it throw you off. 
Psalm is not saying that she has cast down many wounded men. He's saying that she has brought down many men and through their fall they have been wounded. Does that make sense? She's not just saying, well, there's a wounded person. I'll go cast him down. He's easy prey. The devil will show you people who've committed sexual sins. He'll parade them in front of your mind. And he'll say, now you see, they turned out okay. Everything worked out for them. You see, he ran around with this woman and they ended up getting married after they committed adultery. I know a man right now, he was very, very popular. Very, uh, uh, very much respected in uh, the law enforcement community. And uh, he, uh, uh, without telling who, who he is, he got very high up in uh, a, a different county than I, I was working in. And uh, he ran off with the, uh, the secretary at his work. And her husband was the song leader at their church. The kids were devastated. His children were devastated when that happened. Of course, his wife was too. And now you were to look at them and say, hey, th that turned out all right. They seem happy. Look at them going on vacations and doing all this and stuff together. And the devil will show you people like and say, see, that man's respected. And, and now he turned out okay. Now look how much he's enjoying life and going off and doing these things. Everything turned out okay for them. Listen, there is grace and forgiveness for people who've fallen into sexual sins. But you can rest assured that there are wounds that those people bear because of those sins. And many of those wounds are only known to them. What we see on Facebook, you know, isn't what you see inside. And it isn't what you see in that home. It isn't what you see when they gather around the, the, the Thanksgiving table and, the, and, and the, the Christmas tree and all those things, whatever they, they do in their, in their family. But there's a lot of wounds that we look at and we think, see, everything turned out well for them. They got away with that. But no, every deviation from God's Word, they pay a heavy price. Don't look at this passage again and think, oh, she slays wounded men. I'm not wounded. I'm a man of strength. She's not going to get me. Don't think that way because Solomon said, if you'll look back in your text, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. You see? So she takes strong men. She slays them, casts them down, and those strong men are now wounded. She slays many wounded. One of the strongest men of my lifetime that I've, I've noticed and, and, and followed for a few years now is former President Donald Trump. That man's strong. Strong personality. I mean, he, he's something. He's a multi-billionaire. That's a little bit more than what me and Brother Shepard have. He's a multi-billionaire. He's a former president of the United States. He's a borderline genius if he's not a genius. 
And he's a tireless workhorse. He's like a rock, man. Stuff hits him, it seems to bounce off of him. But look at the mess he's in right now. At least in New York. And I want to tell you, I don't think that man should have ever been arrested. Alright? But do you know what brought him down in New York? you know what did it? A whorish woman. The same kind of woman that Solomon is warning us about right here. Paid off some, some whorish woman named Stormy Daniels. Of all things. The type of woman that Solomon's saying, Don't you even go close to her place. You just stay away from there. There's nothing but trouble come from her house. And I'm sure way back whenever, whenever he had his, uh, whatever encounter, whatever that consisted of, and I don't want to speculate, but whatever it was, apparently there was something. I'm sure years later, he probably thought, all that's over and behind, and sowed my wild oats or whatever, and, you know, that's over and done with. And sin has a way of popping up when you least expect it at the most inconvenient times in the most painful ways. Horse woman named Stormy Daniel. See, she hath slain her strong men. Don't go to her house like this young man in this proverb did. And like so many other people that maybe you have known and I have known. Because verse 27... Her house is the way to hell. Her house is the way to hell. And I want to park right here just for a moment. Because a lot of people read this. And perhaps they have been caught up. Perhaps you've had um, uh, a time in your life, in your past life, when uh, maybe you've you know, had a been engaged in sexual sins and fornication, adultery or whatever. And you come up and you read this and your heart's convicted by it and you know, oh man, that stings every time I read it or every time I hear it. And then you come up to verse 27, her house is the way to hell. You think, oh boy, does that mean I'm going to hell? Well, when you see the word hell here in the Bible, when you see that word hell anywhere in the Old Testament, especially, it's not always speaking about the place that burns with fire. Okay? And so it's very important that you understand that. Because if you don't understand that, your minds will get all twisted. And the Bible's not going to make sense. It's not going to be consistent in its doctrine. If you didn't realize that every time you see the word hell, it doesn't always mean the place that burns with fire where people go and they never get out forever and ever. If you didn't realize that, then you could read this verse and come away with the idea that if you commit adultery or if you committed adultery with a woman or with a man, then you're going to hell. Her house is the way to hell. The Bible says, therefore, if you go to her house, then you're going to hell. But the Hebrew word translated hell here is Sheol, S-H, that's the transliteration, S-H-E-O-L, if you want to write it down in your Bible, if you don't have that in your notes already. And Sheol means the place of the dead. The place of the dead. Now, if you ever find Sheol Baptist Church, don't go in there, okay? 
<laughs> There's probably a lot of churches that should be named Sheol Baptist Church, but it, it means the place of the dead. Dead people aren't walking among us, right? There's no dead people in here. When someone dies, we put them away. There's no dead people walking around. When someone dies, we put their bodies somewhere and then God puts their soul somewhere. Man takes care of the body, God takes of the soul, but the dead people have to go somewhere. And that's Sheol. Sheol is a place where dead people go. Now, if you have your pens, write down the margin of your Bible, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, verse 35. Genesis chapter 37, verse 35. And in Genesis 37, 35, there's this man, Jacob. We all know Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Remember what happened to Jacob? There was this young man named Joseph that was his favorite son. He made him a coat of many colors. And then he thought his son died. Because that's what his, his other sons told him. And after learning in his mind that his son Joseph was dead, Jacob said, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Alright, now it's should be up there. Now, that word grave in your Bible, underscore that, and out in your margin, write down the word Sheol. And maybe write down uh, Proverbs seven twenty seven, so you can link it back. And then in Proverbs seven twenty seven, write that down outside your margin, Genesis 37, 5, so those things can be linked together in your Bible study. He says, I'm going to go down to the grave morning. Now, that is very similar to how we would talk today, isn't it? I'll go down to my grave morning for that child of mine, you know. Till till I die, I'll be weeping the the loss that I've experienced, okay? And uh, I know there's people here, and I'm thinking of Miss Glenda right now, who lost her daughter in a car wreck uh, years ago. And there's no doubt she'll go down to her grave morning. No doubt I'll go down to my grave morning for the brother that I lost. My parents mourning for the son they lost. You mourning for the loved ones you've lost. You'll go down to your grave morning. But that word grave there is the same word translated hell here. You see? And so it just means the place of the dead. And we know that Jacob, the man of God... The one who wrestled with the angel, the one who saw the ladder, uh, and uh, is, was given the covenant of everlasting life through Christ, and the Savior came through. We know he didn't go to hell. He wasn't saying, I'll go down to hell morning. No, he's saying, I'll go down to the place of the dead. I'll go down to my grave. Jacob's body went to the grave. But Jacob's soul went to heaven. You see the difference? Man put the man puts the dead away somewhere. God puts the dead away somewhere. And in this case, man put uh, Jacob in the body in the grave, and God put Jacob's soul in heaven. Hell means the place of the dead, which could be a tomb in the ground or a place of torment in eternity, because both are places either the body or the soul go to. Right. So don't get all bent out of shape like some people have. 
uh, don't get all bent out of shape when a modern translation uses the word Sheol instead of hell. I've heard people say, I've taken the word hell out of the Bible. No. There, if you see the word Sheol in the Bible, it's just not translated. It is the original word that God used. And so it's just not translated to the word hell because almost every person in the English language today, when they hear the word hell, they think of, you know, fire and everything. And so that the word can be better understood in its original meaning, a lot of times they'll leave it untranslated or they'll say grave or something like that. So don't, don't get offended when you see that. They're not removing the word hell. They're just, because the word hell was never there originally anyway. <laughs> They're just using the word that seems to be most accurate for Sheol at that time. Uh, lest someone get the idea that adultery is unforgivable. And if you go that route, then you can never go to heaven. The adulterous woman's house is the way to Sheol. It's the way to ruining your life. It's the way to losing the life that God had planned for you. Once you commit adultery, once you get involved in these sexual sins, the life that God had planned for you has died. Yes, thank God there's a plan B. Thank God for plan B, right? But that original life has died. Um, Adam and Eve, when they sinned the Garden of Eden, the original plan that God had for them, and I know God knows the beginning from the ending. Don't tell me that God didn't know, or that Brother Richard's saying God didn't know Adam and Eve would sin and it took them. No, I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying it was not God's will for Adam and Eve to sin. If you say it God, was God's will and that was his plan, that's what he wanted them to do, then you're, you belong to the Calvinist camp and you're wrong. <laughs> so you're making God the, 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 the one who devises the evil. And then like a puppet carries it out. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, that was not God's will. That's why God said don't do it. So when they did that, the original plan that God had for them, that died. Can't go back. Illustrated by the fact that God cast them from the garden so they couldn't eat the tree of life, which they could have in the beginning had they not eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See? So that life for them had died. It's impossible to go back and get what you could have gotten apart from that sin that they committed, that sin of a spiritual adultery. But thank God, there was an animal sacrifice and that skin covered them and they were able to continue uh, living uh, uh, physically for a while and procreate. That was plan B. It was God, it's something God knew was going to happen the whole time, yes. But it was not God's perfect will for them. And as far as Josh Duggar is concerned, for example, the life that he once had, that God had planned for him, that's over. He can never be taken back either. He, he can be forgiven like Adam and Eve was. He can be forgiven like you and I have been forgiven. But his life will never be the same. 
take that step into sexual immorality, and your life will be, look back in your text, going down to the chambers of death. That's simple. You take that step into sexual immorality, and your life will be going down to the chambers of death. So I'm going to end with a kingdom truth. God's best life is buried in our worst decisions. God's best life is buried in our worst decisions. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Is there anyone that has a question on that or any, any clarity needed? I usually don't ask that, but I want to make sure that there's none needed. Anyone have a question on that? No clarity? Everyone got it? Okay, God's best life is buried in our worst decisions. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much, dear Lord God, that you continue, Father, to, um, just like with Abraham, when he lied about Sarah being his wife, that was not what he was supposed to do. And he had to go through things, Lord, that he wouldn't have had to experience otherwise. Just like with Israel, when they rebelled in the wilderness, you still carried your plan out. But it wasn't as glorious as it would have been. They wouldn't have trailed the shame through the desert as they did. There wouldn't have been the loss of life of the former generation. And Lord, we thank you for the extension of your marvelous grace. And how you're able to heal the broken heart in the wounds, Father God, that we bear from the sins that we've committed. At the same time, Lord God, help us to understand that your best will for us, the best life that we can possibly have, is buried by our bad decisions to deviate onto the paths of false doctrine away from your word. Help us, Lord, therefore, to be grateful for your grace, but to fear, dear God, the consequences of our disobedience. We pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And I, at the same time, thank you again that going the wrong way and sinning, Father, does that not mean our doom is sealed? It just means your best is buried. In Jesus' name, amen.